25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to him. They are who we thought they were. And we let them out the hole. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Hey, everybody. What's up? Y'all need to wake up. That's what y'all need to do. Wake your rear end up. Get out of bed. <laughs> Back at it on a Monday. It's uh, for a lot of folks around the state. It's good Monday. I don't ever remember getting out of school on Monday after Easter when I was a kid. But back then, we used to have to walk three miles in the snow every day barefoot, right? Yeah, that was a snow day. You had to snow walk to school. Day. Snow day. Hey, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you. I'm going to start you off with a very important question on today's show. What is your reaction as a fan of your favorite college baseball team when they get whipped? During the course of a weekend, what is your reaction? That's exactly what happened this weekend. State got whipped at Arkansas for three straight games and swept. Ole Miss, not so bad, not as bad, but still got whipped ultimately by Auburn. I I shouldn't say that. It it was a walk-off win for Auburn to win the series, but it's a road series, and at least Ole Miss, you kind of hold serve on the road in the SEC if you just go pick up one win. I just want to know what your reaction is because, frankly, I'm just going to go ahead and let the kid out of the bag. There's a lot of people who overreact. No. When one weekend does not go your way during the course of a regular season. Welcome into the show. At least it's a mixed bag, though. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's – here's the thing. Here's the thing. Stop overreacting to one weekend in baseball. Let me repeat that. (laughs) Stop overreacting to one weekend in baseball. All right. Hey, I'm Matt. Welcome in on a Monday. I'm in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau. Go! With the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Watch this. Local agents. Competitive rates. (laughs) Fast and friendly service. (laughs) All right. Let's say hey to Roger, who I'm looking at face-to-face. What up, Roger? Hey, thanks to Jake. Jake left his boxing bell. This thing is cool. This is a big, real boxing yeah. bell. With You have to hit it with a real hammer yeah. to make it ring. And the word is around, I saw Jake earlier, maybe he's listening, maybe he's in a sales meeting right yeah. now, for yeah. all we know, he on a Monday. very well be, yeah. All I know is that at one point he was hiding this from everyone. 
at one point, Jake didn't want anybody playing with his bell. Then he got sloppy. And he got sloppy and left it around. And I'm telling you, Jake, Ben, and everybody, I've got the bell for the next two hours. It's mine. As long as they don't steal our train. There we go. <laughs> Make you feel at home. <laughs> That's right. All right. Um, yeah, there's a lot of overreacting going on. I, I totally understand. Yeah, yeah, I got you a number punch in there. We'll call them up here at five after. Uh, I, I totally understand. You know, we're all going to react when our favorite team's don't pull it off or have a bad game or maybe perform below our levels of expectation. We're all going to react. We're not going to like it. It's going to hurt when you are especially, you know, very much emotionally involved and invested in your team. But, again, let me say to you, when it's April the 20th, and your, your things don't go the way you want in a weekend, and you write your team off, and you head over to Twitter or some message board or Facebook, and you start lighting them up, putting the players' names on there, then you now have crossed the line. You are in the realm of the ridiculous, <laughs> the overreacting. That's where you are at that point. And let me just remind you of an example, too. Now, this goes for everyone, but in y'all can look it up. It was around 2004, 2005, somewhere in there. It was one of those Ole Miss baseball teams that had Stephen Head, Brian Petway, um, Seth Smith, Charlie Babineau, one of those like 04, 05 Ole Miss teams. They started the year like 5-5. Five and five. In February, early March, they were like, they might have been like even a losing record below 500 at one point. Some midweek losses to like Central Arkansas and others. And all of a sudden, you look up three months later, and that team was hosting Texas in a super regional. But hey, I mean, if you rewound the, the soundtrack, you had fans jumping off cliffs, fire Bianco and all that crap. Okay, let me give you another example. 2013. Was it 2013? Did I give you the wrong number? <laughs> Reached a really nice lady who doesn't know who you are. Okay, the last number is a seven, not okay. a six. Okay, gotcha. That's all, all right. that is. The last number is a seven. <laughs> Let me give you another example. I think it was 2013, that team that played UCLA for the national championship at Mississippi State. Go back and talk to me about what fans were saying in the early part of that year. And, and most of them are the fans who don't even use their real name on social media message boards. 2016, I remember I was on the radio on another show then. 2016, I think it was, the Dakota Hudson team. Early in the year, fire John Cohen. Horrible. Get rid of him. Overmanaged. <laughs> That's what it was at the beginning of the year. At other times... Lose a series, you know, run them all out of there. What happened? Hosting a, hosting a regional, hosting a super regional, had a chance to go to Omaha. Yeah. Last year, one year ago, in Starkville, Mississippi, Mississippi State beaten down 
coach fired, interim coach, all that kind of stuff, was hosting Arkansas one year ago in Starkville at the in the process of being renovated Duty Noble. Arkansas at Mississippi State last year. And State, heavily, you know, big underdogs, swept the Arkansas Razorbacks in a three-game series at Duty Noble Field in the middle of last season, right about this time last year. What was the talk? Arkansas fans were fed up. This is the best team we've ever had, and we can't even get a game in Starkville against a team that has an interim coach. We got the best pitching staff we've ever had. And look at us. Arkansas fans were throwing a royal fit after State swept them in Starkville last year. Fast forward, they were a drop pop-up away from a national championship, played for the national title in College World Series. I'm just telling you, all the the gross freakout, and it keeps on happening from nameless ghost people on social media. I know I shouldn't completely abandon and get off Twitter, but I'm considering it. <laughs> it's just ridiculous about half the time. And, and again, it normally comes from people who don't even have the guts to put who they are on their profile when they tweet it stuff and they put stuff out there and that kind of thing. Stop freaking out about a weekend baseball series. Stop it. All right, here we go. Let's jump on to the Divinity Equipment phone line. Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson. Your Kubota dealer, the number one Kubota dealer, the oldest Kubota dealer in the U.S. They've been doing it better longer than anybody else. And right here on the Divinity phone is Steve Robertson from 24-7 Sports and Jeans Page who went all the way to Fayetteville, Arkansas this weekend and covered Mississippi State. Steve, welcome back in. Um, I hope I... I I hope you're not missing all important needed catch-up sleep just to be on the radio with me. But if you are, I appreciate it. No, no problem at all. I got caught up yesterday. Matter of fact, uh, yesterday, a, a wonderfully lazy day with family. And uh, sometimes we need that. And after three days in uh, Walmart land, I was happy to come home and uh, and be with uh, be with the family. And, and now it's a new week. And uh, not just for me and you, Matt, but for Mississippi State. Yeah, boy. So, um, not a good weekend for the baseball team. A sweep, and for all intents and purposes, uh, there were a few competitive innings on Friday, and but for the most part, it was non-competitive, especially you look to Sunday and a sweep on the road. Just a bad weekend overall. What's your biggest takeaways coming out of that series? Well, you know, it's one of those things you look at. The baseball collective psyche is so fragile. You know, it seems like once one guy, like they talk about hitting is contagious. Well, so is bad baseball. And it's not like Mississippi State, you know, you know, beat the ball around or whatever, or, you know, just couldn't field the baseball. We, we just could not find anybody out of the bullpen to consistently throw strikes. And, you know, Ethan Small, JT Ginn, Tanner Allen, those guys played winning baseball. I mean, you know, for the most part, you know, Tanner Allen kept in a big situation in that Thursday night ball game and, uh, and struck out with uh, time runs on base. But, you know, he's leading hitter for the team last year, uh, last week. And so, yeah, I felt like that Ethan Small certainly deserved a better fate as well as he pitched. And, you know, in the press box on Thursday night, you know, they were they were looking up to see the Arkansas people were asking Greg Campbell, our good SID for baseball, 
hey, when's the last time Mississippi State had a no-hitter? <laughs> and uh, Because he was just that dominant. I mean, everything he dialed up was looking good. And, and as Arkansas hitters, and it's a great hitting lineup, we're really struggling. But once you got into that bullpen, you know, things change. But uh, I think in addition to that, Matt, I just really think the Mississippi State offense really, really struggled. And uh, you saw a lot of impatient at-bats, and you tipped your cap to – to, uh, to Isaiah Campbell, and, and I had a couple of our players tell us that he was the best arm they have seen the entire season, uh, and, and he gets you. In the Battle of Aces on Thursday night, they, they win the ball game. but I never thought we would see what we saw on Friday, which they goes out there and walks 16 hitters, and eight of those 16 hitters scored, and that was the difference in the ball game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Steve, it also, like, I'm watching the game on Friday night, um, and I watched – we had some family stuff going on, and, and I'll just be honest, it was a weekend for me where, one, by choice, because of Easter weekend and time with family, I, I kind of made a decision to pull away and really not pay attention to sports. I'm, you know, just have a weekend where I'm not connected, you know, watching games constantly. I will admit, about you know, those first few good innings uh, out of Ethan Small on – Thursday were what I really watched of the series. So so I'm, I just wanted to kind of clarify my perspective. I didn't see a lot of it. What I saw in those same innings in the early part of Thursday's game from State's hitters, at first I'm going, well, it's a cold night, and this is a really broad strike zone. This umpire doesn't like cold weather. There are balls way out of the zone getting called strikes, and I thought State's hitters were having a really hard time handling that. Was that the case the rest of the weekend, or did that just kind of snowball on them? Well, I, I don't know if that was really the case the whole weekend. You know, Walsh behind the plate always been an adventure. Even some of the Arkansas people were saying, even, even the Arkansas radio was saying that Arkansas fans have a uh, very bitter relationship with Tony Walsh. They, they think that he uh, is biased against them. And, and it's one of those things that I've learned, Matt, you know this too, the more you travel, you find out that, that everybody in the conference thinks that the conspiracy is to get them. But uh, <laughs> yeah. but all that being said, the thing that disappointed me the most about that wide strike zone is the fact that the Mississippi State players, and they were multiple guys, they kind of got out of character a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, So it's like when uh, they got a bad call, they had no problem kind of showing their, their emotion and uh, kind of got off their game a little bit. And when you see that happen, when you see a guy kind of react negatively to an umpire and begin to have some words, that for some reason that tends to spread throughout the lineup. And I really thought they were very vocal in their frustration. And as a result, I think they got them off their game a little bit. Why we didn't pitch it better on Saturday, I don't know. But the fact that this offense was kind of shut down in that Saturday game by Connor Norland, the guy that had really struggled. He'd already pitched one time this past week. That was the biggest surprise of any to me. We had a beautiful day, came out with a lot of intensity, knowing we had to get one, and just got absolutely shut down. Right. Steve Robertson on your radio. Steve, what's your message to any fans that really had a, a big and maybe even overreaction to that weekend what's your message to them on monday well i think the first thing is it's a long season you know and that's uh you know, there's all these people that uh, and it's not just mississippi state fans in general it's just kind of fanatics of all sports you know is whenever you win you want to make excuses for why you won <laughs> then then you want to feel validated when you lose you can come back and say i told you so and a lot of people that kind of lived their life that way but 
And the thing that I'll say is that just a week ago, we were thinking, man, you know, we're a, we're a good week away from being a number one team in the country. And uh, I don't know Mississippi State is that team. I do think they're a solid top ten team, even though they didn't play like it over the weekend. You're going to have weekends like that. Uh, you know, Jake Mangum is our guy. Jake had three hits last week in four games, you know, and so he'll come out of it. The team will come out of it. It'll, it'll be okay. But uh, you, you kind of made some comments earlier about before we went to air about, uh, you know, people overreacting on social media. I think the best way to handle all of that is to know that we all want the same thing. And uh, all of that really comes from a good place, even though some of that commentary is misguided at times. But the bottom line is that people are passionate about Mississippi State. They want Mississippi State to win. And when things don't go well, people don't always know how to articulate their feelings. And so the first thing they do is get on social media and have diarrhea of the keyboard and say everything that comes to mind. But the bottom line is we have a great team, going to have a great year. This weekend may be one of those turning point things, kind of a wake-up call for the team. It seemed like uh, there was you know, plenty coming out of the clubhouse, even from a guy like Jake Mangum after that, saying, hey, when you play poorly, you just own it, and you learn from it, and you move on. You don't let it beat, beat you up. Was that kind of the sentiment? coming out of there on uh, Saturday? Yeah, had a chance to speak with, uh, you know, a couple of guys. And, uh, you know, they all gathered in the dugout after the sweep. And, you know, I, I won't say it was positive, but they were together. You know, they, there was a camaraderie among the group. And I had a chance to speak directly with Tanner Allen. And, and uh, matter of fact, made that interview free for anybody who wants to go watch it on Gene's page. And, you know, he said, hey, this is a tough place to come play. A bit of a wake-up call for us we got to flush it, put us behind us, and go get ready to play the Rebels on Tuesday. And, and I think that's the only attitude you can have. Because in this league, it's so unforgiving. You start crying over spilled milk, uh, the season will get away from you in a big hurry. Yeah. Well, and I just think, Steve, that, you know, athletes and coaches and, and those that are fortunate enough to kind of, you know, be around athletes and coaches enough to get a glimpse and start to understand their mentality, the way they have to approach things, they have they have a, a 30,000 feet perspective a lot of times. Like a Jake Mangum already knows what it feels like to be on the bottom one week and then be on the top the next. Let's look at the beginning of last year and the end of last year. And I, I just I think what happens is a lot of times as fans, we just completely lose perspective on that. You know, that it is not a one-week season. It's you can have a horrible two weeks. They can drop you out of the top 25. Does that mean you're not going to Omaha? No. You know, I think people just forget that. Well, and, I, and a good example of that is, you know, th- Friday night, you know, when the bullpen begins to have their meltdown, your know, fans just want it to stop. You know, it's like, we, you know, we just want the ball game to kind of settle where it is. And so people on social media are just kind of screaming, saying, hey, why don't we bring Barlow in here? Why don't we bring – Lee Belt here. We know Chris Lamonis has to manage this thinking, you know, we got a game to play tomorrow, you know, and if this one is already away from us, if we've already, if this game is behind us, we've got to save some pitching for tomorrow and do all we can to come out tomorrow and try to salvage a game out of this series. And so he can't just manage the moment. He has to manage the weekend. And so there were people too, I kind of laughed at this guy was a master me on social media and says, you know, you need to go down there and demand that Chris Lamonis do this. Number one, (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm not in a position to demand anything of Chris Lamonis or anybody else. I mean, I'm lucky to get my kids to clean up after themselves, you know. And so, yeah. but all that being said, 
people get emotionally attached to all that, and they don't understand, you know, there are a lot of pieces to this whole thing kind of managing this operation. And Mississippi State, still a top-10 team, still a team that will host a regional. And uh, if they can get hot here down the stretch, they'll be in a position to get a top-eight national seat. Yeah, that's exactly right. you got to look forward, not behind. Yes, they have things they must do better. But, man, the players and the coaches know it you know, better than anybody else. Well, uh, Pearl is always a fun thing at Trustmark Park, isn't it? When you get both fan bases in their neutral site. It really is. And and it's one of those things too. It's so unique because of the fact that you have all maroon on one side of the grandstand and all, you know, red and blue or whatever on the other side. And so it is a different, a different, different thing that comes in and you never know. There's always somebody that steps up in this game and becomes a bit of a hero. And mm. while it is a non-conference game, like you, I don't think everybody remembers Luke Alexander walking off, Ole Miss last year and two years ago uh, Jacob Billingsley probably pitching the best game of uh, of his regular season life uh, in, in that ball game and so this is a, a game where people sometimes heroes are made and because of the fact that it's for bragging rights brings out the best in both teams absolutely Steve I appreciate you as always man I'll tell everybody to follow you on Twitter and and to be nice <laughs> thank you brother you take care of yourself all right we'll do you too that's Steve Robertson Y'all follow him on Twitter at ScoutSteveR, and you'll you'll get uh, kind of wall-to-wall coverage on state baseball and other sports throughout the year. Just getting started. And when I walked in the studio today, a pleasant surprise, and I'll tell you about it in just a bit. In the Farm Bureau studio, stick around. Back. In the, I kind of like this music, too. Yeah, I like it. Back in the Farm Bureau studio. It's art to hitting that thing, isn't it? Yeah, I like it. Well, there is an art to it. Listen, it's still ringing over there. Yeah, I just amped it up for you. There you go. Uh, I'm in the Farm Bureau studio, live with Roger here in Jackson. Good to be here. Thank you for tuning in. You can be a part of the show. Text me. Text me on the text line, 885-ESPN. 885-3776. That's the text line. Uh, I got a text a while ago on the um, <clears throat> baseball conversation from Kosciuszko, and so I'm going to read that. Kosciuszko, better, better known as Kosciuszko. General Kosciuszko. General Kosciuszko. I walk in today and I uh, look around and... And I noticed a couple of things here, right here. Let me give you a visual. Number one, I'm sitting in a pretty comfortable chair as opposed to what I used to sit in whenever I came in here. (laughs) All the fluff had gone. No more fluffy bottoms on that chair. There were no more fluffy bottoms. You hear that fluffy on the chair? Yeah, you'd sit in it and you could feel the bolts. (laughs) 
from underneath that were holding the upholstery on. You could feel it. You know that feeling when you're expecting something else and you suddenly you get that jolt? Yeah. Because there's no, yeah. It's yeah. like the princess and the pea. Remember that nursery rhyme? Yeah, oh yeah. She, no matter how many mattresses you put on top, she could still feel the pea and she couldn't sleep down there that was under one of the mattresses. I, no matter how you moved, you were still getting poked in the butt. By the other chair? And ironically named. Uh, now, though, this tail. this thing has armrests. Now, it's worn. That used to be the boss's chair. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So it was the boss's chair. Then it was your chair. No, no, we upgraded, upgraded directly into here. Okay. All right. Well. Yeah, it came straight out of the boss's office. We got him a new one. Well, it was a little worn, is, but it is still comfortable. Well, he's not as big as we are, so he left some uh, some stuffing in it. Well, this thing, yeah, he's right. He's in shape. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we are a shape. He is in shape. And so this chair, I am in such a better mood being here, broadcasting here. Could be the paint fumes. Could be that as well. Yeah. yeah. And, but I'm comfortable. If at the end of the show I feel like I, if I sound like I'm trailing off, it may be that I'm getting drowsy. It's that comfortable in this chair is all I'm saying. <laughs> Number two, observation in the studio. There is a giant LSU flag <laughs> hung on the wall. Is that a joke? I, Who's heard. responsible for this? Is it Ben? I think one of the listeners wanted a little LSU flavor in here. Okay. So, yeah. Well, you know, they went it, through the trouble of sending out, I mean, you know, honest to God, LSU flag, you know? Whether, well, I mean, did the LSU fan, did he send us a lot of money also? You know, Does he have naked pictures of someone here? God, let's hope not. <laughs> For Otherwise, <laughs> I'm just telling everybody out there to listen to me right now when I say this. I am taking the LSU flag down. Okay. You got to put something back up, though. I will bring something to replace it. I'm looking for one of them sweet MSU helmets. I've got Jackson State up here. I the, will work on the that. Classic, as you, as one of your observant. Roger, I give you my word. That if you allow me to take down the LSU flag, I will replace it at some point with something. <laughs> well, the LSU folks are going to... I don't care. Well, they're going to want you to make sure that something's worth it. You know, I, I will give them that purple and gold is, are the best colors in all of college sports. Right. They really are. It's like a Mardi Gras every home game. It really is. LSU, listen, go back in your annals of history, careful. And find who is responsible directly for choosing your school colors of purple, gold, and white and start to honor them, make them public, put up a statue, and pay their ancestors or family, ancestors, descendants. Pay them because they did you a huge favor. <clears throat> Those colors, they're the greatest colors in all the color sports. You don't get them confused with anybody else. The only person, the only team out there in college sports who who does a better job with those colors, purple and gold, is the University of Washington, because they'll use the old gold along with the purple, uh-huh. but purple and gold. Not going to mention any others, but there are other schools and teams around the country who, somewhere back in their history, chose certain school colors who did themselves a disservice, and no name or mention any of those. I'm trying to be positive on Good Monday. I get the idea that uh, up in Oxford, they kind of got tired of the red and the, the blue yeah. because they've kind of adopted powder blue. Powder blue and just yeah. kind of anything goes kind of. Yeah. So. 
Well, I like what, the, what color would Mississippi State adopt if they, you know, other than the maroon? And other white? than maroon, you know, it's one of my favorite car commercials. I haven't heard it in a while. We've got all the colors: red Mar- and blue, and maroon and, and white. And maroon and white. That's the only ones. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what they would have been. I like that State has incorporated some gray and silver gray recently to kind of maybe differentiate a little bit in some of the uniforms anyway from Texas A and M. I like the red and blue now at at Ole Miss that they've always had. I like the powder blue. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it looks really good. They got great colors and great looking uniforms. Easy to accessorize. Yeah, you know, I, I I didn't. The truth is, as a kid growing up in Alabama, even as a high school kid, I'd seen them on television, but you don't pay. I didn't pay a ton of close attention to Ole Miss during that time. They were on – they were like, you know, growing up as a kid in the 80s, early 90s, Ole Miss was on TV like once a year yeah. where I lived. Uh, but then during recruiting going and you see the uniforms in person, I thought they were really good-looking uniforms. Um, what about that classic, the the red on the white? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I like it better when they wear the blue – like in football. Okay. They wear the blue jerseys as opposed to the red. My wife's in favor of the red. I'm in favor of the blue whenever they do those. Anyway, nobody, I will say, so they got good uniforms, but they got the worst mascot I've ever seen. <clears throat> You're talking about the, the Landshark? The, the Tony Landshark thing. <laughs> it's the, it is the awfulest thing I have ever looked at in terms of a mascot. And the thing is, there are other awful things, like the big blob at Western Kentucky. <laughs> you know, I don't know what it is. Nobody knows what it is. It's just a big round red blob at, like old chewing They're gum. the hill. Yeah, it's like it's like a yeah, you know, a hundred pounds of chewed up bubble gum is what it looks like. But it's just been there, whatever. It's still not as bad as this thing they have at Ole Miss now. It is an embarrassment. But the get, way you, they you use admit, it, though, they've got a they've got a problem, and they just they're trying everywhere they can to get something besides you know rebel. But look, you have to they, sympathize with yeah. the current leadership. Yeah, with some of the things they have to do and try to do and will have to do in the future yeah. because of past leadership. And poor decisions to tie themselves to things. But this whole shark thing, I mean, come on. Well, okay. It'd be different if you like on a coast, maybe. A well, it'd be different team. if they use it differently. Yeah. When we had the Egg Bowl there back in November, Roger, before the game, we're up there, you know, doing the radio for state. And before the game, the if I remember this right, like the band is down here waiting to come out on the field, you know, march out in their rows like they normally do. And the lights in the stadium start flickering, and you hear the Jaws music. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Sounds pretty cool so far. But then this guy, it's a human in a suit down here on the goal line. He puts his hands behind his back and starts like, he bends over and starts walking out kind of side to side out onto the field. I feel like he's swimming. Yeah, but, but he's he not swimming. And he doesn't have the dorsal fin either. There, there's not a fin, and it's like this oh. weird little like saunter back and forth. And and the lights are but he and he's by himself. And he goes like 50 yards. It's the weirdest thing before a football game I have ever witnessed. But they put a lot of thought into it. <laughs> I'm taking the LSU flag down. I just want to say that for the record. And y'all stop messing with the Kansas City Chiefs helmet in here, too. Or Rob J is going to hurt somebody. I found it 
in the corner. Oh. Nobody puts baby in the corner. Stick around. Knock him out, John. All right. One prospect expected to be a first-round draft pick on Thursday of this week from Mississippi. It's now being reported maybe sliding way down some draft boards. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't be a personal behavior thing. It was not, it's not a personal behavior thing. Now, again, it's just a report. I'll give you the info. Well, I just realized I was about to be all Fox News and go, I report, you decide. I was just going to say, I'll give you the info. Y'all see what you think about it. Live in the Farm Bureau studio, call me on the Divinity Equipment phone at 601-995-1059. 601-995-1059. That's the number to call. You can get on in here. Love to hear from you today on the Divini phone. Earlier we had Steve Robertson from 24-7 Sports and Jeans Page on the Divini phone wrapping up what was a rough weekend on the road for Mississippi State baseball. Got whipped up on pretty good and swept by Arkansas and Fayetteville. Uh, that was at the beginning of Hour 1. I believe that's already posted on demand at thezone1059.com. You can text the show also 885-ESPN. 885-ESPN or 885-3776 and that also is a um, a 601 area code so text away report from Matt Miller of Bleacher Report he's hearing that Mississippi State edge rusher Montez Sweat Stock has, quote, bottomed out due to concerns over his health. This is what it says at Roto World. Now, if you've ever tried to follow anything in terms of NFL, um, you know, uh, personnel, the the free agent wire, uh, draft, prospects, injuries during the course of the year, if you're a fantasy NFL person, then you probably know about Roto World, because you get this constant stream of info. Who's out? What are they saying? Who's hurt? Anyway, and and this is what it says. Montez Sweat flagged for a heart condition at the Combine, and Matt Miller Bleacher Report notes that at least a few teams have pulled him from their boards, that meaning their draft boards, as a prospect. It says Miller goes so far as to write that Mississippi State standout could end up falling all the way out of the first round. It's possible that both Sweat and teammate Jeffrey Simmons could still be available on day two, something that would have been difficult to imagine just four months ago. And that's what it says. All right, so what do you think about that? Now, Montez Sweat put out there, what, two days ago, it actually might have been yesterday, but I believe it was on Saturday. He put it on social media that he was not going to attend the NFL draft. I don't know that he ever committed 
to be there. I, I don't know that. I don't know that Montez Sweat ever committed to be at the draft in Nashville Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It starts on this Thursday in Nashville. We'll talk to people who are there. I don't know that he ever committed to be there. I just know that he put this out there. It was actually a day ago, so it was on Sunday. Montez Sweat, he is at underscore Sweat 9, the number 9. So his Twitter handle starts with an underscore. The tweet said, I appreciate the honor and I've made my decision, but please don't get it twisted. I am running from nothing. And it had a note that where, you know, a lot of times when you have a long statement to make, you'll type it out on your phone, screenshot that, and just tweet that out. Instead of doing four or five tweets to get all your stuff in there because you have a character limit. So that was the, the tweet. I appreciate the honor. I've made my decision, but please don't get it twisted. I am running from nothing. And the message that he typed up uh, with it said, although it is a great honor to be invited to the NFL draft, that was never my dream. My dream has always been to play in the NFL. I am truly thankful for the opportunity to be so close to achieving that dream. It's disappointing that my decision, this would be to not attend the draft, not go to Nashville to go up on stage if you go in the first round, he said, market up there. Yeah. he said, it's disappointing that my decision is being twisted in the media. I have been cleared by my doctors, comma, Mississippi State, comma, the NFL Combine, which he did go through everything, and, he says, numerous NFL teams. This decision is not about people recycling the same story it's about me having the right to enjoy the moment with my family and friends in private i am completely comfortable with where i stand in the draft process now can we get back to football that was a tweet one day ago uh from montez sweat what football are we getting back to yeah well well, not anytime soon obviously (laughs) come on man you are the news right that was marginally football news. Right. But see, he had, he, he put it out there. No, that's that he, very well written. Do you think he wrote that? You know. It sounds like from yeah, the heart. Yeah. I, I, I think probably he did. Yeah. Now, again, he made the decision not to attend the draft. I saw that. I thought I saw it on Twitter. Uh, maybe he initially put that out there and has gone back and deleted it. I don't know. But I do, I do know that I had read, and it was from him, that he wanted to be with his family, surrounded by family and friends, when he gets drafted. Wasn't it? Hasn't it been done that way more than it has been the way they're doing it? You know, come, well, come here. Yeah, and, we say more. Yes, because there's a whole lot more guys that get taken in the second, third, and fourth, and fifth rounds. I see what you're saying. Join him for the first few. Up yeah. So if you're a projected first round pick, you'll get in, invited to the draft. Up until this point, Montez Sweat has been a surefire first-round draft pick, according to everybody. But this heart condition thing popped up. It was first reported, I think, either during or right after the combine. But then they said, no, 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 he's been cleared by his school, by the doctors, by the combine. He went through the whole combine process, ran a 4-4, performed great, all that. How does something like that come up now? Well, one theory, Roger, is that I mean, somebody trying to a lot of people think get him for a yes. Oh. A lot of people think 
that certain teams and agents and other they play this little game with the releasing of info, and it may be uh, about coveted prospects that they really hope are available. And they're way down. When it's yes, they're not in the top fifteen or low down. Right. Yeah. I'm. I don't have one clue if any of that's involved. They're doing that. They deserve to be down there. I'll say this. If you're a surefire first-round pick, you're invited to the draft. It's so tempting to go. I would be so tempted to go because you have that moment. Mom and Dad can see you go up on stage with the commissioner. They call your name. They hold your jersey, You know, take your picture. And for any agent of any prospect, who at this time of year all the agents are calling all the shots, for any agent, that is the most coveted thing you could possibly have is your client because the marketability after now we've got photos floating around out there throughout all the media of my guy on the stage with the commissioner holding up a jersey of the team that drafted him with a number one on it, and I'm his agent, the agents want that bad. And a lot of the agents are calling the shots. However, all right, now I'm 42. I got this much bigger perspective than I do back when I had when I was 22. But I can certainly see it now at this age that a kid might go, you know, I really want to be sitting in my living room with grandmama and granddaddy and mama and daddy and all my cousins and all my friends from the hometown and the mayor and my high school football coach and my teammates all at my house. So they can ask for money immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, it slips out sometimes. Right. When the phone rings in the first round and it's – you know, Bill Belichick of the Patriots with pick number 32. Or, you know, John Gruden with the Raiders at pick number whatever it is in the top 10. You know, I want to be there with them, and I can totally understand that, too. I, I kind of like his I'm, I'm going to do it my way uh, approach. I kind of like On my it terms. Too. This is about me. I did, I did this. I can, I can admire someone that says, honestly, dressing up in a suit, and walking up on the stage and hugging the commissioner is not something I want to do. I can totally respect that. And all these agents, I mean, it's got to be a little galling as a, an athlete to have this guy taking credit for you being in the first round. Mm-hmm. Like, you did that by just being good. So He wasn't there at the practice at 4 in the morning. Sure. If you're listening, what would you do? Your first-round pick, your Montez Sweat. They say your stock is falling with some teams because of a health issue, a, a past heart condition. Would you go and attend the NFL draft in Nashville, or would you just stay home? Which would you do? Curious about that. What would you do, man? I'd be tempted to stay home. I'd be tempted to stay home initially anyway, I think. I'd be one of those. I'd want everybody around me. I want mom and dad to be sitting there with me when the phone rings, I it's, think. It's so different now than I was thinking about. We used to have, you know, Willie Richardson do a show here and him talking about how he found out, you know, and it was, I don't even know if it was the same day. <laughs> it's it, different back then. Yeah, you know. Totally now different. Now it's, everything's been monetized. Oh, yeah. Big TV show. Hour two coming up. Y'all stick around.